Hey everyone, Drew Paglieri back with a power spread analysis on all things football. So this is my first podcast from New York City and my first basketball podcast, so to speak. Uh, There's a reason why I will throw some basketball in on a football podcast. If I do too many basketball, I'll probably split it up and make another podcast uh, just about basketball. Uh, In New York City here, it's slightly different than when I was podcasting from Pittsburgh you may be hearing some jackhammering in the background or some noise around me. Uh, it's New York City. I'll, man, I'll, I'll move around it. I'll slide around the noise as best I can. Hopefully it doesn't affect this too much. I don't think it will. Uh, as far as basketball, I've worked on basketball. I've also worked on tennis in my, uh, for my job the past decade or so. And basketball totally has a synonymous quality of football. Um, Of course, much different sport as far as five players versus 11 and a whole lot of other different things. Uh, Actually, the way both sports were developed uh, were completely different, the way they were created. I mean, football came out of um, rugby and soccer, which were already very popular. I mean, mankind loved to grab something, run, and then have someone tackle them or try to get a ball and run around with it and throw it on a goal. I mean, that's been going on for a long time. Um, Basketball was started by James Naismith as a way to get exercise for the young kids in the late 1800s uh, because they were playing during the wintertime in the Northeast. They were playing football indoors and killing each other, banging off of walls. They were already killing each other on the field, which became a source of uh, contention in the early 1900s. And then they added the forward pass to try to help uh, the death rate and some of the other things going on in the football. But uh, you know, it's worse when you go indoors and there's limited space and now you're smacking people up off of the walls. So they were like, help. And so James Naismith tried to figure out a way to get exercise going. And he really wasn't even thinking about scoring. It was all about exercise. It was, all, it was a camaraderie. It was a thing for team to build character, to help the body and the mind and the emotions, all of it, physical, mental, emotional, and for the kids. And when you hear coaches talk these days, they're always talking about the kids. That's what it was for originally. Uh, someone said you can't just have something where they're – because they were running around with balls as far as I know. I don't know all the details. If someone's a historian, let me know. I know some of it. But they were doing a lot of running, and it was all about the feet and the legs. And uh, someone said you have to have a game here. I mean you have to have some – somebody has to win and lose. We can't just – you know, this isn't fun. You know, So, okay, throw a peach basket out there, and we'll throw a ball into the basket. <laughs> How about that? And we'll get points for that. That's how it all started. So, you know, I'm paraphrasing a bit. Okay. Anyway, so um, it was funny when uh, Naismith, when the sport started to gain popularity because it gave people something to do in the winters in the Northeast indoors. Uh, he, he took it out to the Midwest in, in Kansas. And then from there, Fog Allen, his uh, pupil, became one of the first real coaches but he was doing a lot of coaching and really breaking the game down. And we had a lot of people starting to do that in the uh, early 1900s. And Naismith said, uh, what I think was quoted as saying, this game was never meant to be coached. So isn't that interesting? Uh, so in the NBA, that's what you see. The game is not coached. No, I'm kidding around. That's, that's totally not true. I'm playing around. But in a way, it sometimes looks like it. Just get a star player and warp everything around the star.
but uh, and, and, and it seems like team defense is lost there. But that's not true. Things are starting to change in that league. A lot of it based on what's happening in college, same as in the in the football, and that's where football and the NF, you know, and basketball have such similarities. Uh, things are changing, things are spreading. Uh, now the basketball court's also a lot smaller, um, but they're having spread offense as well, just like they're having in football. And so now the defenses have, you know, come to that and are changing their defenses and figuring out a way to handle these spreads, these spread offenses. And in basketball, I started calling it, and it, it's not. I I started delving into it last year more. I mean, the people have been doing this for a while, but gap defense. In football, it's pattern matching, but it has a gap defense feel. And in basketball, I see sometimes it's a pattern matching, as well. So that's interesting. So uh, as we have seen, it start, I, I started making lists of all the teams last year in March Madness, and I'm doing it this year too. And the different ways they're using almost every, basically everybody's doing the gap style defense. I mean, it's been going on for a while. It's, it's a way of like, what do we do when we can play man to man or zone? Can we mix both and try to play in the gaps, play man to man, but play in the gaps? Sometimes they pack it and it becomes like a, a, a zone man to man or we play in the gaps and it's a gap man to man. And then they try to figure out now, you know, how can we press? This is what the NFL does all the time. How can you be aggressive without taking too much risk? Which is hard, which you can't. You, risk reward is the way, it's the law of conservation. It has to be that way. But you give up something, law of, you know, you, every, you get something, you give up something. It's always like that. So can we, pre- like in basketball, how much can we press out and be aggressive on the man, but we give up the middle, the paint? Or how much can we pack it in with, in the paint? And there's different ways to do that. You know, the no middle idea that Texas Tech started doing then Baylor last year and won the national championship with, there's all different kinds of switching on the front end of that press and then trapping that goes on down in the middle. But whatever you do, you, you pack that middle. You make sure that middle is called no middle for a reason. You don't want anybody in the paint. Yet you still want to be aggressive and press on the outside because the issue there is people became more talented at three-point shots and shooting. And that's really an issue in the NBA where they're even better shooters. But, you know, that, that's the idea. Can we somehow cover the paint where the easy baskets are and yet get that spread offense out there and, and cover that outside? And then so what you're seeing now in all the colleges, a mix of, you know, paint pressure and three-point pressure, you know, pressing, packing, doing it through switches. Some teams don't switch as much. Some teams don't switch at all. Doing it through traps. Some teams do. Some teams don't. Some teams. It, it, the best teams, Arkansas with Musselman. You know, TJ. I won't say his last name, but at Iowa State. Uh, you know, you, you, the guy at New Mexico State, Pims. I think. I mean, you got you have all these different things going on. These incredible coaches with defensive schemes, mixing pressure, yet covering and hedging the middle, the the paint area in basketball. It's very similar to what you see Todd Bowles, who's now the head coach at Tampa Bay, doing for Tampa, and other teams were doing Buffalo on defense where they're, you know, being aggressive, mixing blitzes, but also trying to cover themselves. And again, it's not double teams anymore. Tony Romo, <laughs> got to bring him up. No, there's not. It's not a double teams. Um, even in basketball, you can't just do simple double teams. And so it's almost like a pattern matching going on in basketball too, where. We know who the good players are. Okay, that's obvious. 
we know um, in basketball who the shooters, the guys who are big in the middle, that kind of stuff. In football, it's more like the receivers um, when you're pattern matching. Those guys who's fast, who's a good receiver, can catch it. Kelsey, you know, then you have Hill, who's really fast. I'm talking about Kansas City Chiefs. Well, we can't just double because they have other good players. Same with basketball. You can't just, you know, you're going to have wide open guys for three-point shots. So you pattern match sort of, you know, you, and in basketball, it's like, that's part of what's really starting to happen. I saw it with Iowa State and my coach TJ, I'm not going to that last name, but anyways, uh, great, incredible job there of trapping on the front. And Musselman's got some of this going on too. He has a lot of different things going on. He's really multiple. He's mixing little things all the time uh, for Arkansas. And that's what beat Gonzaga. It's confusing. I mean, you see one thing, then you see another, and it's subtle. The thing about basketball is not as many people. It's a lot more about technique than massive scheme change because it's very few amount of people. And it's really hard to see. It's a little easier in football. I, I've had to really spend time to try to see some of this. But, yeah, it, it confuses the other team. And in basketball, it's faster. So that I call it helter-skelter. Helter-skelter doesn't mean chaos. Though I, can, I have an article called The Power of Chaos. I think you can find your order through the chaos if you let the chaos go, if you don't, try not to control so much. But football is a much more ordered sport. Basketball is more rhythm and feel. It's a different sport. So with basketball, you can't, I don't believe in helter-skelter for football. It's too much, too much chaos, in my opinion, and the balance. There's a balance between order and chaos. In basketball, I believe you can have more of that in full-court presses, and we're not seeing that now, but we will, I think, see more of that. We're seeing three-quarter press a lot, some half-court stuff. And some of this trapping stuff, Arkansas and Iowa State, is almost a half-court press. Abilene Christian last year was doing a lot of that. So, you know, it's coming. It's coming. It's, but again, it's all about risk-reward. I mean, how much are you willing to risk? If you do full-court press, they say you can't do it in the NBA. You absolutely can. But you're going to give up a lot of easy baskets, you know. And then the idea is those big slam dunks that are coming down and getting the crowd fired up. How much do you want to – because emotions are everything. And how much do you want to, to lose in that? But what about the stills? What about the chaos you're creating? What about the helter-skelter you're creating? I mean, it's not going to be every single time someone's going to break a press. So, again, it, it's, it's, it's a mixing. You have to mix all this stuff up. And, and the test is going to be on the floor. If it ever happens, you know, and it's going to start to happen. You already see everyone's head hedging <laughs> slowly to it like they did in the NFL, slowly moving into power spread type of stuff, you know. Same thing here in basketball, slowly moving towards a more helter-skelter feel. But, you know, that word, th- that terminology, I use it. I understand what it means for me. It's sort of a scary thought. I can't imagine someone, a coach who spends his whole lifetime trying to teach the kids and, and have a, a sense of order about the way he does things, a sense of knowing. And someone comes in like, yeah, just helter-skelter it, you know, like let it all rock and roll. Come on. Yeah, right. You know, Tom, I'll tell Tom Izzo that. He'll tell me to get out, like get the hell out of here immediately. And I have a great respect for Tom Izzo, so I'd leave. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think there's something to it, though. I'm not saying it just to talk craziness. Uh, there's, there's a thing to it. But anyways, so there's a little bit of my basketball. There is a little bit of what I do um, with that. And I'll see how many of these, if I start breaking off too many podcasts on basketball, then I'll make another podcast somewhere. 
Um, and by the way, uh, just for my, just to talk, you know, I, I made some uh, bracket. I'm not a big bracket guy, but I had a, uh, a final four. I, I did do it this year. I didn't get to watch basketball this year. Like I wanted to, uh, I have considered for the last couple of years. I pop in at March madness. I'm really late to the dance, so to speak. Uh, but I did pick Villanova and Kansas. Uh, my buddies know, cause I told everybody, um, but I had Gonzaga and, uh, Purdue on the other side. And I had Gonzaga beating Villanova in the championship. So um, I got half the bracket right, I guess, so to speak. Um, I did not know Arkansas would be so good again. But I know Musselman is the man. And when I saw them against New Mexico State, and I think Charles Barkley was like, terrible offense. I was like, oh, man, that was like great defensive schemes. That thing took me three hours to watch. I was watching both coaches break. Chris Jans, that's his name, breaking down those, uh, the coach for New Mexico State. They, oh, man, it was just amazing. And, you know, and, and, and it's like, let me see something simple, like North Carolina versus UCLA. In that game, they were trying to hedge in the um, – they were really watching the outside shot. I mean, last year UCLA was shooting the lights out, and they were really hedging out to the, the press out on the three-point shots. So UCLA was able to drive it inside, okay? And I said to – I was watching with my girlfriend. She's a big North Carolina fan. I said, they're going to start head, getting back to the middle here. And sure enough, timeout, Hubie Davis. Now North Carolina's – hedging in the middle and playing more towards the pack and and then and, and and still having to contest you always have to contest everyone contests a shot nowadays you don't just let people shoot they race out to contest and and but and it was sort of working but they had to find the balance because you can't pack it in too much and let those three-point shots but however they were they were doing it aggressively enough it was enabling uh it was it, they found their balance, and now UCLA was struggling getting it inside, but also not hitting their threes, and that's how North Carolina won that. And one of the big plays was the drive by uh, the great uh, Tiger Campbell with the Bob Marley hair, and he drove in, and he's he is so, he's an old man's game. He's so tricky, and he got in the he drove in the middle, but he was pulling in. The big guy, I call him Thor, Brady Merrick, Manic, the, the transfer from Oklahoma, came down off his guy at the three-point line, came down to the middle at, in the gap because he was gap defending. He had man-to-man, but he was manning that gap too, but he came further in from the gap all the way to the middle where Tiger was driving in the paint. And Tiger jumped up, and, and, and rightly so, was going to throw the pass back out to the three. That's what you do, drive inside, throw it out. That guy had been wide open for a three. Manic didn't come all the way. He only came into the gap. He looked like he was going to come all the way to the middle, and he popped with great defensive move by him. Popped back out to the three. That's gap defense. He manned the gap. He, 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 uh, he hedged. He, he, I forget what they call it, but he showed that he was going to go further into the middle it made Tiger want to throw that ball out, but then he jumped back out to the guy out there in the three, and then Tiger held the ball because he got confused, and he traveled. And you, so that defense right there by that player and the techniques being taught by the coaches and the schemes being brought to the to play, which, by the way, Jeff Van Gundy did a lot of this. I should put the video. You should see a video with his Knicks. He was working on this stuff way ahead of its time. And uh, he, Theobo, Theobo, that guy, that great defensive guy was in the NBA. He coached Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson's bringing it to Indiana. Um, and the guy, TJ, 
at Iowa State is getting it from Gundy, and that's why Iowa State's doing this aggressive stuff. But this is all all together in this stuff. But anyway, so that that you, you're manning the gap. Where do you go, though? Do you go middle? Do you get back out to the three? And you always contest, but if you're trying to contest that shot from the middle and you're racing out there, it's a little late if the guy's a good three-point shooter. And if, if you're in just a gap and you don't go all the way middle, now you can contest. Well, anyway, you... That defense, that scheme, that technique, and that player completely screwed up an old man's game. A, a great, crafty point guard like Tiger Campbell. And that was a, a turning point, I thought, in the game. And anyway, so ha- here we are, Final Four. Uh, North Carolina, you know, and, and here I have to say one thing, too. I cannot believe Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. I, I don't know if I heard this right. I was watching TV. Did they pick Arkansas over, Gun- um, Arkansas over Duke? I was like, oh my God, I did tell them that that Arkansas-New Mexico State game, I wrote, I tweeted, tweeted them, tweeted them, obviously, that great, yeah, Musselman's amazing. But then during halftime, I think Barkley said Musselman's not doing anything. Musselman was doing stuff. He was switching up his strategies there. Uh, it, it's just the players had a letdown. You really thought they were going to beat Gonzaga and Duke back-to-back? Are you killing, are you, you're killing, are you kidding me? I, I don't understand that. And... Above all else is emotions, above scheme, above talent, above, you know, attitude. But the culture, attitude, the habits you form lead to these emotions. But sometimes there's nothing you can do. Kansas City Chiefs played the game of their life against Buffalo. Game, one of the best games of all time. Had a letdown against the Bengals. Not surprising. What was surprising to me is they didn't let down in the first half. They actually played a professional, decent first half. Thankfully, the Bengals didn't play. Their, their scheme on defense was really bad that first half and whatever. But, yeah, I mean, they had a total letdown. Uh, Gonzaga, last year against Baylor. You think that's the Gonzaga team that played all year? That was not the same. Not to take away from Baylor, but that's the truth. It's just a fact. It doesn't take away from Baylor. They were great. I'm not saying Gonzaga would have won had they played their best, but it would have been a heck of a game. I think they might. I think they would have, but it would have been I don't know, but who knows. But that wasn't the same Gonzaga. They just played the game of the century with UCLA. And, you know, Arkansas, not this isn't as big a letdown, I wouldn't say, but still, they just beat Gonzaga. I mean, they were not the same team. In fact, what we saw last weekend is a trend we may see going forward in these in this March Madness. This was... You know, like I said for the NFL playoffs, I did the same for the college football. I mean, college basketball. Craziest March Madness ever we're going to have. And we did until the weekend. But we had the craziest March Madness. A lot of upsets, upstarts. And they all sort of petered out on the weekend. The emotional energy finally petered out. It's hard. I mean, it's, emotions are more than anything. If you lose your emotions, you will, you will destroy your talent. You destroy your scheme. That's the reason for culture. That it's all about the feeling. You want that good feeling going through the whole organization. That's how you know. Look at the Bengals. <laughs> good feeling everywhere. It was bleeding out into the fans across the country. All the fans were loving the Bengals. They almost won the Super Bowl based on that feeling that was permeating everywhere. People love Joe Burrow. Zach Taylor's a great guy. What an organization. What a what a what a what a what a thing that happened there. But anyway, but the Rams had it too. The Rams have had a solid culture for longer, actually. And actually, Zach Taylor came from Sean McVay. So, and he learned it from Sean McVay. But anyway, among other people, but he learned it. But Sean McVay was the last guy he, he worked with. But so we've got those emotions, man. I always say, look, fatigue, where does that come from? First emotional, 
then mental, then physical. Now, if a guy's injured, the physical rises above all of that. But still, you know, and it moves around in there. I, I do it in tennis all the time, EMP, EPM, PME. But rarely, rarely in the tennis world would I ever put physical first because if physical comes first, the guy doesn't play. The guy's injured, he's out. It's always the emotion and mental. Sometimes the mental comes before the emotion and it's hard to break those two up. But I learned that over the years of doing my tennis, how to break those up. But, th- but anyways, so, so emotions are huge. And when you've got, I mean, finally the emotions petered out for all these upstart teams that were playing great defensive schemes. And by the way, St. Peter's, Holloway, coach, helter-skelter, just a little bit, <laughs> not a lot, but just a little bit. He, started, he, he never really ran with that team the way he wanted to. If he gets the talent at Seton Hall, he'll run. You know, he'll, he'll be running gun and full, full court presses and all that stuff. Anyways, um, so finally the Blue Bloods came through. And, and I kind of feel like we might see this a lot in the future. A ton of upsets petering out for the Elite Eight. And then we have a... But I think some of these upstarts are going to make it through to the Final Four in the future too. It just depends on what kind of schedule they have. What, who do they have to play? What kind of emotional intensity do they have left for the weekends of the Elite Eight? But this guy, I mean, that was not the same St. Peter's team. That wasn't the same Arkansas team. Defeat. The, number one, the feet have to move. It, you can do all the stuff you want, but the feet, that's what James Naismith started the basketball with, the feet. And that's what Bill Walsh said about quarterbacking in football, the feet, not the arm, not the shot, the feet. Yes, the arm completes the pass. Yes, the shot goes in the basket, makes the points. But it starts first and foremost, the feet. That's why I love Helter Skelter. You get the feet moving. And I thought Musselman did some pressing that was trying to get his Arkansas guy's feet going. And I thought that was great. St. Peter's, I think, was doing the same thing, even more so. Yeah, more so. They went to full court. And it was smart. And it worked for a minute. <laughs> but you can't overcome it. If you guys are just flat, if the guys have let, are crashing emotionally, not much you can do. And I feel bad for players when they go through that. I went through it in my life. Uh, it, it's real. <laughs> you can be as professional as you want. You can act as tough as you want. You can fake it. You can yell, but it's not in there anymore. It's something's left. The juice, the juice has left the building. You know, the juice is out. So I, I do believe in that, and I think a lot of people miss that a lot. I don't know. I don't know why. Even people that have played and they know how emotional. I don't. I don't know. But any, anyway, I think people don't want to face the music of that and say, "Hey, it's an emotional thing." That's the first and foremost thing. So what happened, when you don't have those emotions going right (laughs) and you're a team with the lesser talent and sometimes a lot lesser talent, there's problems, big problems. And that's what we had, Duke, North Carolina. Look who we have. We have all these talented teams. Um, Villanova, I wouldn't say this is – Villanova and Kansas are interesting. It's not their most talented teams. This isn't their best teams. But experience on Villanova's side, some experience with Kansas, but just a team that's really working well together. Um, the both teams are playing great as a team. I may switch my pick right now to Kansas. I hate to do this off an injury. Again, basketball only's got five guys, one guy missing. Actually, they have a bench guy missing. That's two guys on a team of like eight that you use eight guys, let's say. That's a lot bigger than in football when you're missing two guys. The Rams were losing guys all through the playoffs and still made it to the Super Bowl, um, you can't do that in basketball. You can't just have guys dropping like flies in basketball. There's not enough players, you know? So this is pretty big for Villanova, but I don't know. I, 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 we'll see what happens. My original pick from the beginning was Villanova in the final, losing to Gonzaga. I, 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 I switched that all. As soon as Gonzaga lost, I went away. I, I right away said, that's it. It's Duke or North Carolina. 
I had Duke or North Carolina right there. And I mean, if Caleb Love and R.J. Davis go off, one of them, just one of them go off, especially Caleb Love, he looked magical against UCLA. I don't know that he's going to always look. I don't. Is that a fluke? Can he be that good? on a regular basis. Uh, my girlfriend's already, she's a huge Michael Jordan fan. She's already yelling Michael Jordan here. Uh, but she's also, we're also, you know, he doesn't have the Jordan stuff. But there is some things about him that have that. I think he actually is more powerful than Jordan was at that age. As far as power, he has a power about him, um, a physicality. But, you know, no one could slither like the snake, Jordan, through the, through the crowd. And, and of course, the mental. I mean, Caleb Love has some of that mental that I think could make him great. But, I mean, Jordan already had that, for sure. I mean, you could start to see that was coming. But the thing was, um, I, don't, I don't know where Caleb, and I'm not trying to say he's going to be the greatest player ever. Ending. I don't know. I just thought that UCLA performance was unbelievable at the end. That was insane. That, that's the best thing I've seen. That was, well, Juzang for UCLA was a little bit like that last year, but not that much. Suggs. Suggs was amazing for Gonzaga, but not that much. I mean, I, I, I tell you, love blew me away, I have to be honest. But not the same guy in the other games, maybe the first game against Marquette. Uh, if he does that again, I, they're winning. I, you know, North Carolina is going to win this whole thing. Um, but Duke has more of the talent, and they're playing so hard for Coach K. But North Carolina is not that far off on talent, and, 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 and it's, it's close, and the schemes are good. Um, I, Hubert Davis, I'm still trying to understand a lot. He, he's funny. He's big time in the culture. He gets it, totally gets it, uh, culture and the people and the personnel, especially the personnel side of culture. I break it down into personnel, operations, and strategy. And I think he's, he's just following the operations that were already in place uh, and doing probably more of his own stuff. And I'm, I'm sure he's good with that. And he's definitely good with people. You can see that and his players and everybody. I don't know, like, the schemes I'm starting to still figure out with him. They seem real, like, simple, like, not much to them. Like, everybody's doing so much wild stuff right now, especially on the defensive side, but also on offense. Not so much from North Carolina, but I'm wondering if he's fooling me, and I haven't figured it out yet, so I'm not sure. Uh, or he just has these guys playing at their best. You don't have to do a lot of tricky stuff. If the guys are talented, they're playing great, they have a great attitude, the emotions are high, you've got a great culture in place, then the schemes just have to be solid. They don't have to be anything crazy. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know well, we'll see. Like I said, he made that adjustment, I think, at, in the UCLA game. It wasn't anything major. It was like, do we go more towards pack and middle or do we go more towards you know, pressing on the outside? That was all. It's just simple stuff. Um, but anyways, you know, it's going to be interesting. Coach K has been doing a lot of stuff schematically. I've never, I never, did he always do this? But I, I always thought he was more man to man. He's doing zones. He's doing man to man. He's, he's mixing up the man to mans the way he's doing. He's packing middle more. He's doing switches. Sometimes he's not doing the switching. Sometimes he's doing a little trap. Sometimes not. He's, doing, he's defending the pick and rolls differently. A, a little adjustments all through the game. I'm just amazed. I, he, I, I, did I miss this for 100 years? I, I don't know. Maybe I did. Um, but I know he didn't do zone all his life. They said he got that from Bayheim in, in the USA basketball. So anyway, uh, the 2-3 zones really worked well for Duke. So is he going to make the adjustments? Are his players going to continue to bust their rear for him? I, I believe his players are locked in. They're going to go. I think North Carolina's locked in. I think it's going to be a great game. But if Caleb Love and R.J. Davis don't play great, I think Duke is going to win this whole thing. If, if they do... I think they can win this whole thing. But then the other part is that letdown factor again. If this game is too great, if it's another UCLA-Gonzaga, do we have a total letdown? 
you know, for the, and then that's Villanova and Kansas. And I'm starting to wonder now, Villanova's injured, Kansas, everything's working out for Kansas. That's that tricky stuff. It's hard to predict. Like just, that's the destiny. That's the momentum, the cultural momentum. And Self's been doing it a long time, Bill Self. And he's, he knows what he's doing. And, 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 and is this thing just growing? And this isn't their best team, but now Villanova's a little beat up. Can't, you know, Duke and North Carolina might kill themselves and then have a letdown. Uh, I hate to say it, but Kansas may win this whole thing. And the reason I hate to say it because I don't think this is near their best team. And I think that Duke and North Carolina have potentially great teams in a way. And I, and I thought Gonzaga had somewhat of that, but I think I overrated Gonzaga just a bit. They were really great last year. Had Suggs come back, I mean, that, then they were great. I, I don't know. People might disagree with me. I don't think they were so great this year. And Holmgren, for as great as he was, as good a player, he's no Suggs. I think Suggs had a magic about him, and, and that's all. But, I, 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 but anyways, I think Duke and North Carolina, I'd like to see one of them win it all. Obviously, Coach K's last year. I love what's happening with North Carolina. I really am in love with love, <laughs> Caleb Love, but we'll see. I, 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 don't, I, I think maybe I'm enamored by that one game, so we'll see. But... I don't know what's going to exactly go down here, but I am worried about it. But I am thinking I kind of have to switch to Kansas. I hate to do it. And I'm almost thinking North Carolina is going to pull this thing off. I don't know why. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too wrapped up in Caleb Love. Maybe I'm getting too wrapped up in the Hubie Davis. I love Hubie Davis, too, the way he's handling things. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll see. It's going to be very, very interesting. I'll tell you that. Um, the smart pick is Duke over Villain. Well... Now that Villanova's hurt, I don't know who where to go. I, I was going to say, if Villanova was healthy, that's a smart pick in my mind. And it would have been Duke over Villanova. Now that they're injured, I'm not sure. But the smart pick is Duke, obviously, um, to win the whole thing. But we'll see. I'm sort of going to think I'm leaning towards, if someone put me against a wall with a gun and said, pick it, I'd have to say North Carolina upsetting everyone, crazy stuff, and beating Kansas in the final. But... Uh, and not have, we could have a rematch of North Carolina Villanova, but I, I I don't know. That's too good to be true. <laughs> and this time North Carolina wins, maybe. But yeah, like I said, there was no Bengal San Francisco Forty Nine er rematch. I, I don't think we have that. I I I, I I'm kind of thinking this damn injury for Villanova is going to hurt them. But I you know don't underestimate Jay Wright, heck of a coach. So. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. But if I'm forced to, I'll have to say North Carolina over Kansas. But I have this weird feeling. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, if they play a game of the century between Duke and North Carolina, but maybe they don't. Maybe Duke falls apart. I don't know why they would. The pressure, the pressure. But you know, they they lost big time to North Carolina in the last game of the regular season. But that's not the same thing. Um, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting because Emo- a lot of this is so emotional. You're going to have emotions with Villanova having a, a, without a teammate. Sometimes that galvanizes a team. So maybe Villanova wins because of that. Um, you're going to have these emotions with Coach K, these emotions with – remember, Roy Williams was a great coach and just retired. Now Hubie Davis has this. It's going to be a lot of emotions. North Carolina feels like they were really a, a, a dogged a, – a team that everybody was down and out about. And, and so you've got a lot of emotions and trying to break that stuff, good luck. But we'll see. I have this weird feeling either North Carolina or Kansas win, even though I would go with Duke and Villanova. I'm almost going North Carolina, Kansas now. And so that is a wrap here from the Power Spread Studios. This is Drew Paglieri. Until next time.